And thankfully, uh, you came along and literally took me by the hand to say, it's going to be okay, but I am leaving you the resources to go out and do good in the world. I think that what I really want to clearly communicate is that PFF and I are both in the middle of finding new ways to use our giving voices. And Danielle Scott will be the secretary to the board. I am no longer uh, the secretary to the board. I am no longer the executive director, which is the title that I have held for the last 10 years. Welcome to Giving Voices, stories told by and about philanthropists, where philanthropists and their advisors tell stories about how they influenced, experienced, and led through times of transition, where we celebrate and learn from that transition, that period where decisions are made, and where we always find a meaningful way to connect and foster community. I'm your host, Stephanie Borsari. And now for today's show. Hello, Giving Voices community. Today I have as my guest, Danielle Scott, who I have known for about a dozen years. Is that right, Danielle? It's about that a dozen years. Yes, absolutely. You sent me a bio and I normally when I speak with my guests, just pick some pieces from the bio and do a very quick run through, which I am going to do here. But your bio hits on a couple of things so beautifully. I'm actually going to read them word for word. There's a quote. (laughs) You look surprised. Your quote of, I have served our founder's legacy well, but I never see myself as done is perfect for our conversation today. And it absolutely encapsulizes what I know about you. Your bio goes on to talk about service and adventure as being two watchwords that characterize your approach to life, your career, and especially your 26 years with the Pincus Family Foundation. Danielle has been with the organization for nearly 30, as you have just heard, years. She's guided the organization from the ground up. She began as David Pincus's executive assistant and served to him for 13 years the founder of the foundation, where she was given unique insight into his vision for helping others. And what Danielle describes as being early days of kitchen table philanthropy to the establishment of the formal foundation, she has been integral to defining and executing its mission. And in her role as executive director, which she began in 2012, she describes that as one of her greatest adventures. And that's when you and I met each other. That is exactly correct. I remember that day clearly <laughs> of you literally coming and taking me by the hand uh, and guiding me on my first steps. Well, let's talk more about that. Let's talk more about what it looked like on that day and the days leading up to it. 12-ish years ago? So from my point of view, it looked like uh, I had an opportunity to really succeed at something amazing, or I could possibly fall flat on my face. Um, I had never worked in philanthropy. Um, Doing it uh, DP or David Pincus's way was kitchen table philanthropy. It was receiving a handwritten list of organizations he wanted supported and typing and mailing checks. Um, Trying to figure out how to transition from that to mainstream philanthropy, carrying forward his legacy uh, and his passion for children and the work that we do. 
that was my challenge, but it was one that I embraced wholeheartedly. Um, it is one that I was terrorized to do. Um, and thankfully, uh, you came along and literally took me by the hand to say, it's going to be okay. You have the right support that you need and we can help you. This is what you need to keep. This is what you can get rid of. And we can figure out the other things as we go along. Yeah, and because when I walked in, you literally were going through boxes and file cabinets. That's right. That's it. Exactly. And you described <laughs> to me and showed me the desk that I think you use now. Is that right? I am sitting at David Pincus's desk today. I have yeah. maintained his desk. Yes. You described to me sitting side by side while he sat behind the desk and you sat next to him and that you would order lunch and you would sit and have your sandwiches together and you would talk about his next grant, his next activity. He would share with you where he had traveled, what he had seen, why he was giving. Mm -hmm. So despite your feeling ill-equipped, you were the one person he had shared all of that with. You were the one closest to his thinking and his visioning for his philanthropy. Thank you for that. I appreciate the recognition of that. Uh, and it's a funny thing because during that time, I thought that I was being so supportive of him, you know, in his last years and in what he wanted to accomplish that I didn't realize that he was actually grooming me. I just had not taken that into consideration at the time. I just was trying to do what was in his best interest and the things that he wanted to address, the impact that he wanted to make and the legacy that he wanted to leave behind. So I was focused on that, on assisting him with that, not realizing that he was grooming me for an opportunity that he had envisioned for me. And that was what he did. He wrote a letter uh, to the board of trustees that he handpicked um, before his death uh, and said to them in the letter, uh, in essence, uh, you don't have to do what I did, but I am leaving you the resources to go out and do good in the world. And Danielle Scott will be the secretary to the board. Like that was what it was. So for that period of time um, near the end, when he would say things like, kid, I've got a plan for you. I had no idea what that meant. You didn't know until you had that letter? I did not know. I did not know that. I did not know until I got invited to the reading of the will. And I assumed that that was going to be their opportunity to say, job well done, good work, and pack up the office and move on with your life. That was really what I anticipated that day. And that was after getting over my fear of I'm going to somehow be in trouble because now they're going to realize how much I've been doing the last couple of years. And my husband reminded me that they should know that it didn't happen, you know, through magic. <laughs> Someone had to be doing it. And it was a staff of one. It was me. Um, and so it was me and Mr. P for 13 years, which will be the book I write one of these days. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's so awesome. And so that was where you met me at the time that I was trying to figure things out because there wasn't a foundation except in name, uh, in assets, and in a board that had never convened. They had never convened. Uh, they had never worked together. They were close friends 
uh, and family, mostly family. Uh, so a small board, fortunately, because I've been around for so long, I know all of these people. Uh, so that certainly made it easier. But in the end, it was up to me whether or not I wanted to take advantage of this opportunity or move on in my career. Well, I think you did both because this foundation 12 years later is far better recognized, so sophisticated. And I mean, I'm just loving when you and I have been keeping in touch some of the stories that you have shared with me. So let's let's do the nearly impossible and fast forward to where we are in early 2024. What does the foundation look like now? So first and foremost, I am no longer uh, the secretary to the board. I am no longer the executive director, which is the title that I have held for the last 10 years. I, in fact, am now the president and CEO of the Pincus Family Foundation. Congratulations, Danielle. I wish that we were doing this part of the podcast in video because we're both just beaming and it's like those like shooting stars coming out of our heads. Like it's really, really a beautiful accomplishment um, during the years that I have known you. You have just learned so much of your own volition. You have gotten degrees. You have gotten certificates. You are a chief. Um, you have done so much. And this is just such an exciting moment for me to have been witness to what you've just described as, you know, the, the earliest days to where you are now. I have Thank great you. joy, the fact that you and I are sitting here together and you're getting to make that announcement with Thank me. You so much. Thank yeah, you. With you. With you. It is absolutely. Um, that is the privilege of maintaining relationships, right? So that you have a witness uh, and an ally that has watched you progress and develop through the years. And so for that, Stephanie, I am extremely happy to be sharing this with you today, too. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, mutual admiration. But let's talk about how it transpired. Danielle, talk to us about how, again, trying to compress a dozen years, how you've arrived at this moment. Well, I have to say that one of the first things that I did was I needed to educate myself and equip myself to be able to build out uh, the foundation. Um, so I did attend Bryn Mawr College. Uh, the nonprofit Executive Leadership Institute lives under their School of Social Work. So it's the Nelly program for everyone who's been there. That's what they'll know. Uh, and during that time, I realized I knew more than I thought I knew. Um, but also I realized that this was an opportunity to really elevate who I am personally uh, with regard to giving and serving communities, looking for ways of giving back and having the honor of not only carrying forward Mr. Pincus's legacy, but working with a board who understood all of those things as well, who wanted to have a positive impact for children specifically, um, they gave me the space uh, and the resources to grow and develop into this role and build this foundation to where we are today. That is awesome. You, you really are also so very gracious in describing that. And I'm going to ask you a harder question, which perhaps is what growing pains there may have been during that time. Sure. So I would definitely say that there were growing pains. Um, I came into this role, I think, uh, maybe 
uh, a little bit challenged or more so insecure about whether or not I was fully equipped to take on the, the leadership role of the foundation. Um, but I've never shied away from a challenge. Uh, I think that our getting to know each other, myself and the board, uh, in a, a new capacity, um, there were certainly some, I wouldn't say true challenges, but opportunities um, for us to comment and provide feedback to each other in the work that we were doing, right? So we were doing this in partnership. So I've never felt that it was the board that was saying, this is exactly what you must do. I felt more like the board is saying, this is our vision and it's to you to figure out how to accomplish that, right? So I have the heavy lift on doing those things. Uh, and then going back to the board and saying, all right, I've done my research. Uh, I've assessed the landscape on this particular need or passion project that you are considering. And we have option A or option B. And which way do you believe the foundation should be moving? And I've been really fortunate because there are a lot of foundations who, even though they're family foundations, don't necessarily get along. So I think the other great thing yeah. for us is that I have a board that are aligned. Uh, and so uh, everyone has an equal vote. Um, it, everyone is heard uh, and the majority does win out. But there is a rarity when there is any dissension on votes and opinions on projects and partnerships that we're considering. Well, that's also because you're doing such a good job listening to them. So you're sort of getting ahead of it. You're not presenting something that then requires a, oh, I don't know, more a more than a dialogue to arrive at consensus. And I think part, you've touched on it. You've, you've sourced the landscape. You go to the outside to do your research and then you present. So what... I'm going to ask you what some of the outside voices have been and what have you had to consider in mm -hmm. then bringing these very clear options to mm -hmm. your board? What have you incorporated? What have you disregarded? How? Do, what does that process look like for you? So once I got past the stage of desperation, looking for information, <laughs> resources, you are nothing but honest. <laughs> Uh, I decided to really look into uh, memberships of to organizations that I believe would benefit my development and really be of use as I was building out the foundation. Um, so being a membership with Philanthropy Network of Greater Philadelphia, um, which I am happy to say I'm now serving on their board. Also, the Grant Makers and Effective Organizations, Grant Makers for Effective Organizations, GEO, uh, participating with them. There are any number of philanthropy networks that you can have membership on that are specific to health and wellness or other causes, whether it's in health or children, even education. Uh, and I joined as many of those as my calendar could hold, uh, attended those conferences, went to all of the sessions, learned as much as I could, and really picked through and sorted through what I knew would be relevant to the work that the foundation wanted to do 
and eliminated the rest. I totally believe that it's not necessary to recreate the wheel, um, that the resources and the information is out there. You just have to be able to define how you can how you can best use that. And that was what I was able to do through those memberships. Uh, it's the same for my new membership with Chief. There are ways and opportunities that I'm always looking for to improve myself um, that will also benefit uh, Pincus Family Foundation. Um, I think that one of my favorites, and it was several years ago now, I think back in 2017 was when I attended Bryn Mawr, but then in 2019, Bryn Mawr College and the Urban League of Philadelphia presented a nonprofit executive leadership institute opportunity uh, for black leaders uh, in the Philadelphia area. And uh, I found that to have come at a most critical point in time as I was trying to build out the foundation and trying to find our voice and how we would move in philanthropy, how we would use our privileges to benefit the marginalized children and communities um, that we that we see are overlooked. Right. So I think for us, it is trying to find a way for equitable access to programs such as ours for a child to have that really gives them the best opportunity to develop to their full potential. And, and filtering so really through that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. filtering through what, as you have said, what is being done out there, what can be done out there and where the foundation itself wants to focus. Absolutely. You um, are giving me a good segue, Danielle. And you are, as you have pointed out, you are a woman of color. You are in a very key leadership position in philanthropy with a white family. And you and I have talked about this, but I'm going to ask your permission for us to talk about it today here on, on Giving Voices. Would you be willing to share that with, with our listeners, yeah. what that experience has been like? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I thank you for the opportunity to have this particular part of the conversation. I think it's important. Um, I'm sure as you're well aware, there have not been enough opportunities presented to people of color uh, to serve in leadership roles in for-profit, in nonprofit, running foundations, such that it makes it a point of conversation. Exactly. Because <laughs> exactly. But there's even a need to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. What I can say is that two of the three things that you mentioned there in that question, uh, Black woman uh, as a leader in philanthropy, with a white family, two of those things you can't change. Right? I can't change the fact that I'm a black woman and the Pincus Family Foundation cannot change the fact that they are a white family. Right, Those are our facts. But I've known this family and been engaged with them for over 26 years. So that was never really our issue. In fact, it was our blind spot is what we realized. Interesting. Because, Can you say more? Yeah. Yeah. Because they just knew and and loved Danielle, uh, who had been David Pincus's right hand and was going to uh, remain involved to continue to carry on the family legacy, um, which was wonderful. Absolutely. And never had any thoughts about it one way or the other. We're just people who are working together for the greater good. But things changed. Right. Things changed, I think, with the murder of George Floyd. 
And I think that for us, it changed because it, for me personally, it was a wake up call uh, about using it as an opportunity to ensure that my board and I were on the same page and would speak in one voice and would take action together so that it wouldn't be that it was the black leadership of the organization that was driving our initiatives and our support. It was the Pincus Family Foundation of what that I lead that wants to see change there. So it was um, difficult, I, I think, um, for us to open our eyes and realize that we were really living in a bubble of comfort of knowing each other so well and just focusing on the work that we were doing, we had to take a broader look at the things that we were doing and also making space for the nonprofit organizations that we partner with in ensuring that we're listening to their voices as well. Yeah. And you have shared with me um, the statement that came out on the foundation's website as an outcome of mm -hmm. the conversations that you all were having internally. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing that with me and with our listeners. Let's go to talking about what you and the foundation are in the middle of right now. Everything we've talked about, aside from the fabulous news of your promotion, um, has been a reflection. So let's talk about where you are right now. Now as the 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 very key leader in a promoted position, um, president and CEO, what would you say you're in the middle of? What the foundation is in the middle of right now at this moment? <laughs> this is where it gets good. As well, if it hadn't already been good to date. To well, what are we in the middle of? Well, I can say that PFF is in the middle of formalizing our organization, right? So just because you're a family foundation does not mean there shouldn't be some formal structure. We are very, uh, I think, fluid with ours because we have known each other for so long and work comfortably together. However, we want to ensure that the future of the foundation has the infrastructure as it grows and develops beyond us. Um, we are in the middle of documenting the science of the work that we do so well. That you've been I doing artfully to this point. Right, this is one of my favorite <laughs> things about you. And it aligns with the way I like to approach my work. It's blending that art and that science. I'm sorry that's to right. have interrupted. No, <laughs> no, that, that's, I mean, and that's it. That's it. Ideally, it's like I've been doing it. Um, however, there's no record of it. Um, it's all up here in my yeah. head or yeah. with whomever I've shared things with. And we need to do better in that. So we are in the middle of putting that in place. Um, as I've been promoted and promoted others within, there is also space and room. So we are in the middle of increasing our staff to better meet our responsibilities and commitments to our nonprofit partners uh, and being more engaged with the communities that we seek to serve. So that's what PFF is in the middle of. And yeah. it's really difficult for me to separate myself from the foundation when I talk about these sort of things. Um, but I would say that I'm in the middle of uh, professional development um, with the aid of an executive coach. I am always looking for ways to continue that. 
Uh, I am in the middle of assessing strategies that will enable PFF to have even greater impact. And an example of that would be a cohort that I and one of our next gen members uh, has joined that we're participating in on mission aligned investing. I'm so very good. excited about that. And I'm also in the middle of finding like-minded foundations to connect with, to learn from and perhaps partner with for projects and initiatives. So really um, nothing. I mean, you're just nothing big. <laughs> what, 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 and what I, and what I think that what I really want to clearly communicate is that PFF and I are both in the middle of finding new ways to use our giving voices. Oh, that is beautiful. You <laughs> <laughs> again, wishing you could see the video here, the glee on her voice in her face right now. <laughs> well done. But and I almost said but, but I mean, and everything you have just described, I feel like when you and I have talked, there's always been something you're in the middle of. So yes. I was dying to ask you this question because yeah. this, everything you've just described is huge. That's all really big stuff. And it is of the same magnitude of the leaps and jumps that you have brought this foundation in toward, again, over the last 12 years. Yeah. Thank so you. giant kudos and congratulations to you and to your board and to your staff yes. and to your future staff. I cannot wait to see where this time next year, where you are. Here's my final question for you. Although you, you know, when you and I talk, we, we can, we usually schedule lots of time so we can follow all our threads, but I will bring our visit today to conclusion with this question. With all of your experience and all of your exposure in the social change sector, what is your wish for our sector? So it's not like a genie where I can get three wishes. No, ma'am. Uh, um, my list but if I know really you, it's going to be very nuanced. <laughs> so I think that my greatest wish, because there are more than one, but I think that my greatest wish is that in this sector, that we need to make space uh, and lean into trust. Um, that is trusting each other as funders. It is trusting the capabilities um, and strengths of our nonprofit partners, making sure that we are recognizing that oftentimes they're not just the boots on the ground, but their experiences have afforded them the opportunity to be the best experts, right? And so if we could lean more into trusting that, into trusting our partners, whether that partner is another funder or the nonprofit organization, regardless of size, that is coming to us for funding. That relationship that you build in trust will carry through. Um, and I think that we learned that it can work. You know, during COVID, everyone was willing to release restrictions on funding to nonprofit organizations. And guess what? Nothing really blew up. I mean, we've been really fortunate at PFF that we've been doing and practicing trust-based philanthropy long before it became the buzzword. And, and I thought that that was really important, especially as a staff of one, I had to find a way to accomplish more work. Uh, without the staff, the work had to be done by myself and the nonprofit partner, 
right, of working together. And everything that we build and do here at PFF is really steeped in trust-based philanthropy and trusting our partners. Trust. That is my wish. Thank you for that. I think if I had stopped to think about how you would answer that question instead of just sitting back and waiting for you to answer, I think that is among the themes that you've raised today. They, the foundation board, trusted you after David Pink has trusted you. You have trusted them and you have accomplished so much both with the board and in society that you choose to to invest in. Danielle, this is a joy for me to sit with you. And I am so grateful that you have lent me and the Giving Voices community your voice and your talent today. Thank, Thank you. you so much. I appreciate you having me on here, Stephanie, and we'll um, be looking forward to our next scheduled two-hour call. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's do it tomorrow. Because <laughs> you said some things I'd love to follow up on. <laughs> that would be great. I would love to. Would love to. Thank you again. This has been um, really wonderful for me. It's a great and new experience for me. And hopefully there'll be other opportunities um, for us to uh, lend our voice to the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, Dana. Thank you for listening to Giving Voices and for being part of our community. If you have a story you'd like to share or you'd just like to geek out about philanthropy together, reach out to me at hello at givingvoicespodcast.com. I can't wait to talk with you.